If you've spent any amount of time on crypto Twitter, I am pretty sure you have come across a video produced by Chris. So today I'm very excited to get to sit down, have a discussion with him, and speak about all the different things that he has learned from growing a massive YouTube channel to coming over to Web3 and being known as that guy within video content production. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So before we dive into this discussion with Chris, I want to make a few notes. Number one, Nifty Business Week newsletter has fired back up. So if you've not subscribed to that as yet, please feel free to do so at niftybusinessweek.com. And secondly, I want to say this is probably the first interview or discussion that I've ever had where someone has ridiculously better audio than I do. So it's so awesome to see that this guy really takes his craft very seriously. And it's very funny because the beginning of this interview is a little weird because I'm recording from Jamaica and I don't know exactly what happened, whether it be the power or the internet or whatever, but it just dropped about 30 seconds into it. So we picked back up and that's why it's a little choppy in the beginning. And I do make a little reference to that in the interview in case you're wondering what I'm speaking about. But let's just get to the conversation. Chris, we're here in the studio and speaking about all the different things with creation and even with what's going on today, just a little disclosure for anyone that's listening to this later, man, it's been just a wild ride just connecting this. So grateful that you're flexible. You know what's going on. You have experience with all this. So I appreciate you coming on. Oh, of course, man. Hey, and it's all happened to me. So if anything ever goes wrong, I promise I've experienced it myself. It's always a pleasure to be on, to be live on video and have some pretty cool recorded conversations. So thanks. I really appreciate it. When I came into Web3, I can definitely say that you were the person that I was seeing everywhere. And in my mind, you were the video guy and there was no one else. And anyone else that was doing some things, not saying you're the only creator, but as far as when I think about what's going on with video production and everything within the space, I automatically think of you. I hope that means that I'm doing what I've set out to do <laughs> when I came into the space. I didn't see anybody doing video. So I definitely tried to make that like the place where I had the most foothold. So yeah, man, appreciate it. With your whole background coming into the whole video thing, I discovered afterwards seeing you in Web3, seeing that you had a massive YouTube channel with cars and all sorts of stuff. And I was like, wow, now it really shows why you're so good at what you do. Well, dude, th thanks for that. That was definitely interesting, realizing that I had the skill set that I had used for cars and I didn't really care about cars anymore. And I wanted to find a new place to focus all of that. And so when I found Web3 and I saw that there was just like a lack of anybody doing any of that stuff, that's when I knew for sure that, okay, that's why I learned all of this stuff was for this completely new environment. People thought that I was a mechanic <laughs> and I was like, no, I've got a cool YouTube channel. I have a concert. They're like, oh no, can you like fix, you change my oil? Like that was where it got me. I was like a glorified plumber basically. So really you, your background is telling stories and showing stuff and not necessarily the one that was doing the cars, which I didn't even know. <laughs> when I got really into the content creation, I started being like, oh my gosh, I could tell stories. I could do all this stuff. I could get better at motion graphics and do all these things. But what I realized in those days was my audience didn't care. They didn't want to see me up level as a storyteller, up level as somebody that could use editing in cool ways and like be an artist. They literally just wanted me how to tell them 
how to turn the wrench the right way on one thing that had to do with one type of car, one type of headlight, and they didn't care about any of the artsy stuff. I wanted to do cooler, bigger things, but I just couldn't do it. They didn't want it. I could totally relate to that because before I came into this, doing the podcast and doing all the stuff within Web3, my whole thing was I was just always tinkering online. And it came to the point where I built up an audience, people asking me how to do things online, and it just burned me out because they just wanted easy solutions and easy fixes. They didn't really want to talk about the cool things that I wanted to. So I can relate to that. How would you end up stumbling into the whole Web3 world now and creating content for various projects and, and things of that nature? I actually had a friend that I had met in Clubhouse. In those days, it was like there nobody was talking about Web3. So we actually saw this weird wave of people start showing up with CryptoPunk PFPs on Clubhouse, as well as Board Ape Yacht Club stuff kind of pop up out of nowhere. And I had never seen anything NFT whatsoever before. And we used to have a bunch of content creator space, like they were rooms, I guess. We didn't call them spaces in those days. But um, one of the people that I talked to eventually made her way into Web3 early on and had a couple of really big, successful launches. And on her first launch, she had these little unicorns and she just did a, a little release. It was like 250 NFTs. And one of the people that bought was Steve Aoki. And so she got a big spotlight on her cute little collection of these unicorns. They're called chubby corns. And so later on, she did a second release and called it Chubby Friends and had cute little raccoons and cats and whales, like all these little characters. She ended up raising like $6 million. And that was in the course of a few months since I had spoken to her. So she hit me up in late 2021. And she was literally like, have you gone down the NFT rabbit hole? Like, do you know anything about this? And I was like, nothing. I hear Gary V talking about, I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't get any of it. I want to know, but it's frustrating because I have no idea. And so she literally reached out out of the blue and hit me up and said, all right, are you by a computer? Okay, I need you to download Brave Browser. Okay, now you need to download MetaMask. And now you need to do this thing. This is called a seed phrase. This is this. She spoon fed me the whole way through. And then she asked me if I would look in her wallet and choose a couple of these NFTs so that I could gift them to my two two boys, my two kids. And I showed the boys all these little cute characters. And each one of my boys chose one of those characters. And then she dropped it in my wallet. And at the point that I got to see, I had this NFT in my wallet. And then I looked up and I was like, oh, these are worth hundreds of dollars? Like what? As soon as I had some skin in the game like that, I was all the way hooked. And so prior to that, didn't care at all. As soon as I had ownership over those NFTs, I was just like, oh my God, like this is crazy. I need to know more. And I literally just stopped everything I was doing and just dove headlong into the ecosystem. And I never left. It sounds pretty similar to me. Actually, I was on Clubhouse as well. One of those OGs we talk about back in the day, as you said, it seems like forever ago being in lockdown. Earlier when I was speaking about trying to connect it up using an iPhone, the only Course. 
about that whole world. And I said, oh, crap, ran back to Clubhouse, started hopping in those rooms. Before you know it, I started a podcast and here I am speaking about this stuff. Again, when I came into the space, your face was popping up everywhere. I was seeing you with the various branded hats and so forth. So I was like, wait, how many of these guys are there? Does he have a twin brother or something? It seemed like you were just everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, that was the plan early on. Actually, one of the first events that I went to, I had somebody reach out and they said, hey, I know you're walking around with that hat. It was an apocalyptic apes hat. And the guys, I see that you're going to these conventions and you're doing things. He's like, have you ever thought about letting people sponsor a space on like your shirt or your hat or whatever and in getting visibility because this was prior to the bear starting and i was like oh that's interesting i haven't ever thought that would actually be a value but the truth of it is nobody was doing anything new it was discord and twitter and that's all anyone had to do discord and twitter and talk on spaces and that was enough and people were just winning they're printing money you throw an idea into the wind and it just turns into millions of dollars. And so nobody really had the necessity of doing more, of trying extra. So no one was doxxed. Nobody was doing video. All of this was, it was just early days. And because they were winning, they just weren't driven to do more. And so very early on, I was just, that's awesome. That means it's low hanging fruit everywhere. I could literally teach somebody how to show up, make a terrible video. It doesn't even have to be good. They just have to show up and be on video and that will help them stand out. And I use that strategy to help some of my first clients like make big money in the space and mint out collections and do stuff. I don't know. I'm grateful that things were so bad when I came in because it it made it easy to stand out for me for sure. I would say still pretty bad for the most part. Most people are just reminiscing and trying to wish we were back in the good old days and they're not putting in the work. And there are very few people, even some of the people that I used to see that would be trying to make similar videos to you. Like they're nowhere to be found anymore. They, I, I don't know. So I think it's just really cool. As far as you now working with these teams b- beyond just having a sponsorship on the hat, how did you start offering your services and creating on behalf of projects? First off, I met a group in Clubhouse. That group has changed quite a bit, but it's still around. And what I ended up doing was helping them on their stream yard off the bat. And they didn't realize that there was so much cool stuff that they could do, but they had a daily TA show. And of all the skills that I had to bring to the table, the only thing that they thought that would be cool to help them out was I made an animated overlay for their stream yard. And I wasn't on video. I wasn't making clips. I wasn't doing editing. I wasn't doing anything. And it was funny because it was such a waste of what I could have been doing. And I realized that there was things that I had to tell people what they needed because they didn't know what they didn't know. So I had to come in very differently than somebody who says, Hey guys, is there anything that I can do? And I had to be a little bit pushy and say, listen, you need to do this and you need to do this. That's wrong. You could fix that. Have you ever thought about doing this? Come into it much more as like a cleaner. You know what I mean? There's a problem. You don't even know what the heck to do. You don't even know that there is a problem, but I'm going to help you take care of it. And one of the first projects after I had been with that first team and I realized like, there's nothing I could do for these. There's just nowhere to go from here. I need to find somebody with a bigger collection and on a bigger blockchain. So the first collection was a Solana project, really cool people, super smart, not great marketers, 
second collection was was Apocalyptic Apes. And I met this crazy charismatic dude named Fiddy on a clubhouse space and came into it and started telling him, hey, try to do this, try to do that. And um, kind of got his attention, got his ear. And I got to start trying things. And of course, in those days, it was like, sure, yeah, do this thing for our project. Sure, do this. Sure, give me handouts. And so I learned very quickly volunteer your services to an NFT founder and he will say yes and you won't get anything for it. <laughs> so you can pour yourself out and it's like an abyss. The abyss will never say, stop trying, stop giving me free effort. And so that was a very big learning lesson for me was that you can offer things, you can open the door by trying to do some cool stuff and help somebody out, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be a good long-term thing for you. And that's what I learned with the first real hardcore push that I did. And that was with Apocalyptic Apes was just because I do a lot of work and they're happy to have me do it. It doesn't mean that they can afford or that they want to spend the money on the types of services that I did. So it ended up where I had a good lucrative opportunity come up. And it was only because I had done all that stuff with a couple different collections and I had networked a lot. So at the end of the day, the networking was actually better for me than the toiling away video and editing and all that stuff. That actually didn't pay off. What paid off was letting people know what I was good at and then letting them go find the people that desperately needed that stuff, that had the money. And then all the dots connected as a result of all of that stuff. So a little bit of a crash course coming into it for sure. Yeah, it's very interesting because one of the last episodes I actually released was connecting with people and finding various mentors in the space. And sometimes you just have to put yourself out there even before you're ready. And that's basically what you did to get onto the map. And I had no idea that you were um, figuring this stuff out basically when I was discovering you and you're learning to navigate all these different things. So now that you've been in the space working with these teams for two years and what have you, how do you look at these teams now and what kind of services do you offer them or how do you go about working with them now? Well, the biggest thing is that a lot of these teams, especially the founders, they already have so much of the things that they need, but they don't know it or they don't value these things that they have that are huge bonuses. And the best example of that is team meetings. There's all these founders that have these team meetings and they gather people up, which is very hard to do. It's like herding cats. Like you get them all corralled up and it's impossible to get all the people in Web3 in one place at one time. And they'll get them on these calls and they'll have these awesome conversations that no one's ever going to hear. No one's ever going to see it. It's never going to be a marketing thing. They can have their NDA, like super private, super secret chats. But what inevitably happens is people gel and they learn to work together and they banter and they do all these things. And so there's all these little magic moments that happen in these team meetings, unless you work with a super strict, boring team that like everything's structured and all that. But for the most part, it's like friends having a good time, having a conversation and everybody kind of listens and it gets passed around. So one of the things that I learned was these team meetings are a treasure trove for marketing content for educational content, all these things that they would never think that's where they can get it from. In general, they give the best example of information in those meetings. And then they say, okay, now we're going to figure out how to present this information to people. And I'm like, you just created it, but you just, you didn't capture that moment. And so all I've told so many different founders is 
record your meetings. <laughs> you know, record your meetings. And if you do it well, like where we're on StreamYard right now, one of the options that any team could do is they could use StreamYard and download each participant of that conversation in full 1080p. And even if 90% or 98% of that team meeting can never be shown to anyone, if there's a couple key moments that come from that hour or two hour meeting, the fact that you've got full HD quality of each individual person and nice clean audio for each participant, you have all this stuff, you could give that to an editor to chop up those couple little gems and boom, you've got some of your most valuable content that you could ever hope somebody else to try to recreate. But instead of recreating it, you're just letting it be seen by other people because you've already created the moment. And so things like that, that was just one example of so many things that I try to get founders and CEOs and people to know is that like, you don't have to do more work. You just have to take the work that you're already doing and just capture it and present that to other people in a way that you haven't thought about before. And so there's like massive unlocks all over the place. In general, <laughs> that's what, aside from anything else, that strategy mindset that I bring to the table is how I love to work with people. And some people just don't want it. I find the people that are going to listen, going to take action and do the things that I put in place for them. And, and it's off to the races for everybody. That kind of reminds me of the, uh, the famous Gary Vee quote, which I'm sure you've heard. Document, don't create. Because if you're there sitting there and trying to plan and script, it just doesn't come across natural. And like you said, those things just do come out naturally. And just a little telling on myself, I looked at a recording that I did a really long time ago and was scripted and it was so bad that I was embarrassed for myself. I honestly, I, I cringed and I was like, I can't believe I put this out on the internet for someone to see. But then around the same time, I was no better, but it was unscripted. And I was like, crap, that's a guy I'd actually hang out with. So I think that's really cool that you're able to be able to capture that from teams because they want to be so buttoned up and what have you. But then also you have the eye as a creator, you know what to do, you know what's going to vibe with the culture because you're in it. And I think that's so much more valuable than finding some random video editor in some other niche. So I think that's just a really perfect marriage of everything that you're doing. Yeah, thanks, man. It's one thing I struggle with so bad is watching people give advice about how to fake it. And I'm like, no, dude, all we need is authenticity right now because we have so much fake in every direction. Pick a platform pick a topic, there's somebody winning there, faking it. And I do not think that's going to hold up over time. It, and I definitely have seen in my YouTube days that there would be people that are winning at such high levels and they weren't being authentic and they weren't talking about the things that they cared about and they were miserable and they were making all the money and getting the views and doing all these things and they were so unhappy and like almost mad at their audience. And I'm like, if that's what winning looks like, I have no interest in it. Do things that are authentic to you. Don't look at numbers, the vanity metrics. It's stupid. I love that silver play button. I love it. I think it's the coolest trophy I've ever got in my life. I worked for years for it, but I actually stopped working for it about 10,000 subscribers before I got it. And I entered web three and just put that on the back burner and just said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make any more videos for that channel unless my heart's in it. And it hasn't been for almost two years now. And it naturally grew anyway, because those videos were valuable. I was being authentic when I was making them, but boy, did I want out of there. And as soon as I had a chance to pour myself into somewhere new that I do care, that's where all my attention went. And that's what I tell anybody. Just don't build a castle on a hill you don't want to be on, or don't build a ladder on a building that 
you don't want to get to the top of. Make sure you want to be there. And then it's easier because there's no race. It's just you against yourself. You get to show up authentically. And as long as you can look back and be like, hey, I'm better than I was back then, but I'm proud of what I built. That's cool. I remember when I felt that way and I made that video, or I remember this or that. But if you look back and you see yourself faking it, you cringe a little bit and you're like, ugh, that's what led me down this road. And now I'm here and I can't leave because people think I'm somebody that I'm not. Or I'm talking about something like I care about it, but I'm really just faking it the whole time. Like, it's not a good road to be down. I've seen it. It's gross. <laughs> so no way. Yeah, I could totally see that because right now I could probably think someone out there listening has a real technical background that they're trying to build some sort of project and they're trying to get people excited because they just can't figure out like, why does nobody care about this amazing thing that I'm building? And they're listening to all these gurus that says, go out there and be this guy. And they're trying to be the cheerleader and get the content out and they're stepping away from their business rather than, you know, working with somebody like you say, no, just dude, just be yourself, have your meetings. And we'll find things out there and we'll get people to get excited off that excitement that you're naturally showing rather than trying to script it. So that's absolutely amazing. If there's any founders out there working on your project right now, you're listening to this, obviously, this is the guy that you want to speak to because you, you don't have to fake it till you make it. Just be yourself, do what you're doing, be excited. And enthusiasm and excitement is contagious, right? You don't have to fake that. I think of back in the day of playing football and stuff. It just spreads out to the team. You can't fake that stuff. Yeah, man. It's funny. You said the, about football. It immediately brought my head to is what got me into content creation to begin with was I'd go stay at my buddy's house and we'd watch these skate videos at like midnight and we'd get all fired up. We'd be like, oh, we're so un like enthusiastic. And we'd try to go skate at midnight. You know what I mean? We'd try to go out there until we got chased off or cops would show up and we'd scatter and all that stuff. But inevitably what it, it led to was we we're so inspired by watching these guys just kill it, do these cool things that we go out and we try to emulate that and do the same thing. We're so pumped on it. We'd record each other and I'd always be the kid with the camera that cared. And then everybody else that was filming me, since they didn't have that whole, I want to recreate the skate video thing. They were just like, okay, Chris is skating. And they'd be shaking the camera and it would, it, I never got the good footage. I always shot the best footage and stuff. But what it was is, we were just so pumped to do it and we were so excited to do it. And then we'd crowd around and watch the replays of us skating and, oh, this is where he falls. Oh, this is where he lands it. It was the coolest thing to be enthusiastic about the content. And I was in the mid nineties. So like that to me is, I think I've always carried that about, I have to care. I have to care about the content. I have to be invested in it. And it's not, it's never about just you know say the thing that's the go-to trendy thing to say, or the one that I hate the most, and I'll move on after something quiet. It's the pointing, the floating words. Like nobody needs you to do that. Like, it's just not, that's not it. <laughs> like, uh, the, the content that they tell you to copy. I'm just like people on TikTok that they like bob a little bit and they point to a thing and it like of words floating. And I'm just like, shake them now. Tell me that you care about what you just did. I promise you don't. It's too much. It's funny because what I think all that stuff comes from is like the first guy who did it or gal was like some just naturally awkward person that probably ended up doing it, blowing up off of it. And they tried to copy it in Web3. I think of Vitalik a lot because he is like the most quirky, the most like original type of person. So could you imagine like all these founders or whoever it is goes out there and tries to copy it? It would be a complete disaster and it works for him. I think more project founders should look at that stuff. But as far as that, even if you're not the person that is, you know, launching a project and so forth, I think it's very cool though, that you also have another branch 
that you work with people such as myself who are creating content and might not be the type of person that's comfortable getting on camera and doing all sorts of things. One of the earlier episodes, I gave a shout out to you and Melina for getting me to hop on in your live streams because ever since then, I started being addicted to StreamYard and trying to hop into this thing and just get on it. And so I, I want to thank you for that and love to hear what you have to say, working with various creators and getting them onto stream. Yeah. Here's the cool thing is that just like you said, somebody that would want to look at somebody who's successful and then copy them. If you go copy somebody that people like them because of their unique, like awkwardness or whatever, it's, you really can't go be someone else's awkward because you probably already have your own kind of awkward. And one of the things that I've seen people do is they're, they've become more relatable because they show up as they are and they're honest about it. And they're like, I don't feel super comfy looking at this camera lens. Like it's weird to me. And they feel that like that shyness or whatever. Oddly enough, that makes you more relatable than me. Cause I'm crazy comfy looking down a camera. I've been doing it for a bunch of years. I don't have weird imposter syndrome. That's like, who am I to say what? Like, I get it. I totally get it. I have that. If I'm on a stage with a bunch of engineers or like hardcore traders or something like that, like I don't fit in that conversation. So I don't talk. Uh, I only talk about the stuff that I am confident in. It's going to be valuable if I speak. I don't do it for clout or something like that. But for a lot of people, they have this imposter syndrome that's, I can't speak and look at this camera because if I do, I won't look like I'm a pro. And I'm like, no one wants you to start looking like a pro. They want to see that you're starting a journey and that you're inviting them to go with them. And so the document over create example from Gary V is let people know this is what I'm doing. I don't exactly know what it's going to look like. I'm learning as I go. And this is what I hope to achieve. And I would love it if you come on the journey with me and let's do this thing together. And then as they get better, what ends up happening is let's say they upgrade their camera. If you've been watching, you've seen 10, 15 episodes of somebody doing something and all of a sudden their video quality goes up. It's a win for you as a viewer because you're invested. And now they've taken you on this journey and now you get up leveled because now the thing that you're spending time watching got better. And you're like, dope, this is cool. It's getting better. And then their audio increases and, and that, that gets clear. And you're like, cool, this is, my guy's getting better. My girl's getting better. As you take them on that journey and then inevitably you hit a roadblock and you're honest about it. And so I thought I was going to get this thread guy. Perfect example. I thought that I was going to get voted in with the ApeCoin council and blah, blah, blah. And the hero's journey. What happened? My guy was faced with an obstacle. Oh, he was met with failure. And we're like, damn. But what happened on the back of that is this guy took us on this journey and we were watching the storyline go. And then there was this new thing that was presented. And because he took us along with him on that journey, when this old Pepin thing happened, the whole damn community rallied around. It was just like, this is so dope. And there was this huge hero's journey where the guy wins. So you don't have to be thread guy for that. You could literally be the person who's starting a YouTube channel or who's trying to start a company or who's doing whatever it is that you're trying to do, speaking it out into existence and then just inviting people to come along with you. That, forget about being good. <laughs> forget about having the best gear. You have a phone, that's the best piece of gear you need. Way better than what got me my first like million view video on YouTube. I had an iPhone 4 on a wooden track little ghetto thing I set up in front of this crazy car and it was like super cheese and you pull out a camera now and it's like the best gear ever. 
you don't need to have everything the best off the start because if you do, then your people don't get to go on that journey with you. So that's the main mindset I would give anybody that wants to start this is that embrace the fact that you're not supposed to be good when you start something new and open yourself up to the fact that as you up level, you're actually helping other people to up level with you. Even if you never see that person or hear from them, they might just be quietly lurking and enjoying watching your journey. So do them a favor and share your journey with them. That's it. You think that we actually rehearsed this beforehand. If you're listening to previous episodes when I was speaking about that, I did not speak to Chris about this. I did over 100 episodes with out an intro. I didn't know what I was doing and I just figured it out on the way. And the guys that I look at and from a very long time, one of my favorite YouTubers was Marquise Brownlee, MKBHD. And I used to watch this kid in his dorm room with Cheerio boxes behind him and seeing where he is now in a weird way. I feel like I took part in that journey. Like I helped build his company or something. So it's really cool. And I think that's great advice and that you're mentoring people and what have you. And I do see, I just hopped into your creator hub. Anything you'd like to share about that? Yeah, here's my hero's journey. It's freaking hard to get people to go do things on the internet and ask them to go somewhere that they're not already. So I certainly don't know everything. I fail constantly. I just don't care about looking bad in failure. I care that I learn from failure, so I'm down to fail fast. So I'm currently mid-failure or at least struggle with getting people together in a community and getting them to interact and take part in that. Now, we'll say this. It's super early days. This is like a week old or something that I've had this community, but I'm inviting people in and I'm asking them to share their content. Now, for somebody who's new to content creation, the sheer act of sharing your content, imposter syndrome's in that. They're like, who am I to share my content? And I'm like, bro, listen, for me, please come into the community, share your content, give me something new to look at. When I refresh, don't let me see the same screen. Like I want to see new entries. You know what I mean? But the other part of that in the learning lesson and the hero's journey thing for like, for me is I need to learn how to incentivize people, how to line people up that want to support this and the want they want to support the creator economy and say, Hey, we've got XYZ product. We need people to make content about it. We want to reward you with this. And have those people pair up with me and create these challenges so that I'm not just asking people, hey, please come into my thing and post your content so I feel good about myself. No, I want people to come in to network with each other and to learn together and to grow together. But I also want them to win in public. So I want them to, if you're a voiceover actor, I want you to be able to come in and there to be a challenge for people that are doing voiceovers or sound engineering. Or somebody comes in and they're like an AR metaverse person. I want there to be a challenge for that group of people and a video editor and a shooter and like all these different parts of the creator economy. Like I want there to be cool stuff individually for all of us. And the more that we do, the more companies are interested in taking part in that. So I got a lot of cool stuff cooking. I'm excited about it. And I'm just learning that it is not easy uh, you don't just open the door and people run in. That's not it. If you build it, they will come. No, that's a movie. That ain't real. I'm not Kevin Costner. I'm building it. I got it. But it doesn't mean that they're just going to flood in the front gates. Yeah, man. I think that's it's a it's where I'm at right now is I know I can create the cool content. I know I could sell my services, 
But what I really want to do is see other people be able to learn from myself, from each other, and to share that out and to that turn into really cool opportunities for them to win stuff, to get jobs, to get just to thrive in this whole content creator space. Because I could tell you, it's just, it's the coolest damn job you could have. <laughs> I love it so much. I just want other people to get some of these wins and to realize that you don't have to be YouTube famous. You don't have to be Twitter famous. You can be valuable and moderately unknown. Maybe hardly anyone knows about you, but you're probably super valuable to somebody out there that can use what you do to generate money for their business or their their service or whatever it is that they're working on. You might plug in perfectly to that and be able to do what you love as a full-time gig. And I don't know, if anybody can be happy working, I'm happy for them. Because man, that's that like my superpower. I freaking love the work. <laughs> I love what I do. And I want that for other people too. I see a future where people not only just come in, interact, network with each other, but also learning how you're finding clients and doing different things, working with you. Maybe you have a set of clients that either want you to do something that's not your specialty, or maybe they might be a lower end client, might not be able to afford you. And that's what the community is there for. Hey, maybe you want to check out this person. So I think that's just really cool. A lot of things are going there, a lot of potential. So I wish you the best with that. Anyone that wants to work with you, where is the best place for them to find you? So that is on shredditor.com. So that's for clients. That's for community members, people that want to learn, people that want to pay for service, like whatever it is, it's the catch-all. And, and Shredditor, to give credit where it's due is not my word, but somebody I look up to huge in the content creation space is a dude named Sean Cannell. And that's where I learned that word. I don't even think he came up with it, but he's always talked about it as a shredditor is a shooter, producer, editor. So it's all three of those things together. And that's a shredditor. And that's when you can hire that one man Swiss army knife. They can do all the different things for you. And some teams really need that. Some companies really need that. And, and it's great if you can do all those things. But to the point about maybe somebody's good at something, but they're not like that high-end creator. Well, I'll counter that and say, what if they're the super high end of that? Because I'm certainly not. I'm not the super high end editor. There are people like our guy Tally, if you've seen him on, on Twitter, this guy will spend 100 hours on one edit. I have never once spent 100 hours on one edit. And we're talking like 45 second edits. My guy spent 100 hours on. Is that crazy? No, because it's amazing. It's the top high end. So much stuff happening. So much thoughtful work was put into that. I will never do that. So if a client that hits me up says, hey, we want something like Tally, then I'm like, then you should hire Tally or somebody who works like Tally because it ain't me. You know what I mean? I'm, not, I'm never going to sit there for one client and do 100 hours worth of work on a 45 second video. Not ever. I can just tell you that for sure. But if people want to come in and they want to learn how to edit and they want to go way further than I've taken it and just study and find the people that edit like Tally and like the people that do like a lot of the crazy stuff popping up and moving all over the place. And especially like the motion graphics and stuff, there are pros out there that blow my mind and they teach as well. And so I just want people to be able to come in, learn the basics, learn what they need to. And if they want to go further, then they can absolutely do that. And for the people that just say, I didn't even know any of this existed. I just need somebody to make my company a little video. And I think I should start it off by saying, what my name is and saying that I'm a big deal and then showing them my 3D logo, hit me up so that I could tell you, nobody cares what your name is, bro. Nobody wants to see your stupid logo. They want value. 
And so when companies come to me, I have to have these hard talks with them and say, listen, it's got to be valuable. You got to start off respecting the time of the viewer. And if you're learning how to make content, same thing applies. You got to come in, got to give them value right off the bat. And if that's not interesting to you, then Shredditor is not the place to visit. But if it is, Shredditor.com is where you're going to be able to find the people that can do the edits or you can learn how to do it yourself. So in respecting of time, that was short and sweet, a lot of value that was packed in there. I hope you really find interest in everything that we spoke about. You know, we could have gone on and on for hours. Chris has some amazing content out there, but I just highly recommend you check out Shredditor.com. That information will be in the show notes as well as his Twitter profile or I should say X profile. So if you want to connect with him, feel free to reach out with him. Really cool guy. And as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.